This morning, I'm starting a new series of lessons. Jesus at the crossroads of culture is something that I've been planning uh, to share for quite some time. And this seems like the appropriate season for this subject matter. And also, I think it's important that we understand that we are for what God is for. And God is for people knowing the truth. God is for people walking in the light. God is for us and not against us. Sometimes when we think about the culture, we almost can develop like an adversarial kind of mentality, like us against them. And that's really an unhealthy way to look at any relationship. You're not going to make progress. You're not going to get any traction. You're not going to gain any favor if you have an adversarial type of mindset. And so we have to put that away from us, and we have to understand that this world is in a condition of being lost and blind and confused because of their their lack of knowledge. And here we are, the possessors of great knowledge and truth, and, and we should be willing to share that with those that are hurting or lost or confused or bound or in darkness. And we should have compassion on the multitudes as our Savior did. And, and I, I pray that as we study and look at what the Word of God has to say, that that we'll glean the knowledge that we need to have wisdom and, and have insight and to develop discernment. But I pray that we would not use it as a battering ram against those that don't. I, I pray that we would take the knowledge of the Word of God and we would serve it to others in a gracious way so their ears could be open, their eyes could be open, and they could hear and see the truth as it's found in Jesus So culture, let's start with just defining culture because uh, it's really a a broad term. But for our study, it's the beliefs, values, and characteristics shared by people in a place or time that shapes their behavior, their way of living, and their worldview. Uh, We've heard of of subject matters like pop culture uh, since, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there in age. I remember that 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 was a term that was was uh when i was a teenager you know pop culture it, it's arts and entertainment what are the what are you know uh, the the best songs that are being played on the radio and it doesn't matter what genre it is it's just you know pick a genre and and just uh I, when i was growing up it's it's interesting radio and and the way that music was presented to our culture is different than the way it is today uh, they used to have like a radio station and they played all types of music. And so if you had an, uh, when FM uh, frequency came along, you could hear a country uh, western song. You could hear Merle Haggard and, and, and Willie Nelson and, and Waylon. And then uh, 15 minutes later, you'd be listening to Chicago or Styx or, or the Rolling Stones or, and it had all, and followed up by by maybe some oldies, uh, some Jerry Lee Lewis or something like that. It just had all blends of music. Well, today, that's a, that's a, it, music is presented differently to uh, our society. It's presented in, in its own particular genre. So it could be rock and roll and, and, or it could be country. It could be gospel and, and it, it could be blues. And you can just sort of pick. Uh, I, I liked it when it was sort of a smorgasbord and, and you got sort of a, a cross-culture feel of that. But that's pop, pop culture and, and the arts and the entertainment, every form of it has its own collective mindset and message. And I believe that's the most important thing we need to be paying attention to. 
is the message. Because over time, the message has changed. The means in which things are communicated has changed. We understand that, that everything is so accessible today through technology. But also, the message has changed. And that's where we as Christians need to develop some discernment. And uh, this is where the Word of God really gives us insight and understanding and really helps us and protects us from all forms, shapes of deception. So we know there's a political culture, and, and it used to be that, that in, in our political system, there was a check and balance system. It, it wasn't as volatile as it today. It, it wasn't us against them. It wasn't personal. There was the understanding that if you were elected to a public office, that you served the betterment of, of the people who put you there, and, and you, you looked out for the people that positioned you in that place today it is uh it's it's worse than mudslinging it's i don't even know how to categorize it It, it's very unhealthy it's uh, not it's not beneficial to uh, the fabric of our nation it's actually tearing and separating people and causing tremendous division so we can understand that well that's not healthy and, and that's not good and we can see you know social or economic uh, cultures. We can talk about the subject matter of race and, and how prevalent that is in the world today. And, and then we talk about religious culture. And we talk about sometimes where, where do the lines get blurred between the word of God and the traditions of men. And, and what I want to bring out in this definition is that there's nothing new under the sun. There, we might, we might think there is. It might be new to us, but it's not new. And this is where history is our ally and our friend if we're learning from history. And what is history? A really good biblical definition of history is his story. It's his story. And where do we fit in the timeline of his story? And what's going on culturally in or in the world in his story. We, we, we talk about the Caribbean culture. Uh, you, different nations have different cultures. It, and it, it doesn't mean that one is preferred over the other. It's just their traditions. It's their beliefs. It's some of their values and the way that their society interacts and, and, and behaves. Uh, we have our American culture, of which we would probably all to a degree identify that we are a very independent culture. Uh, we we struggle at times with with realizing how dependent we need to be as Christians. We even exercise our own will or our own ways to get what we want, and then we get frustrated with it a week later and want something different. And and that's just part of our culture. I remember Charlene and I uh, years ago had the had the privilege of picking up a young man who came to the United States from at that time the Soviet Union it, and. Uh, the yeah, uh, Iron Curtain was still, was still up, and uh, it was uh, it was a it was a tremendous risk for uh, this young man to come to our nation. And uh, his mother and father were a part of the KGB, and uh, he came to faith in Christ. He completely separated himself from his parents. It was a very very challenging time. And Nikki came to the United States, and and we had the privilege of picking him up when he is plane landed and 
the first thing we ask is, are you hungry? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And, and long flight. And uh, his, his English was, was uh, good enough that we could uh, understand. And so I said, well, uh, let's go. Uh, let's just go get a bite to eat. And, and we took him to a place to eat. And, and he was amazed at the number of choices on the menu. He was overwhelmed and he really didn't even know what do I pick, how to. So we ended up saying, hey, we'll, we'll order something for you. From there, I said, you well, you probably are going to need some groceries and, and maybe some other items uh, for the place that you're going to be staying. And and the Bible school had set up a room for him, and uh, but he needed some necessities. So we took him, we took him to uh, a, uh, a grocery store. And he walked into the store, and Charlene is my witness. He, could, he For the first minute, he just stood there and was mesmerized by all the choices that we have. He was overwhelmed. And, and in that, he, he was like frozen, and he said, how many places are there like this? And, oh, we said, well, there's, there's one here, and then if you don't like this one, then another, there's one six blocks away, six blocks away. And another one here. We... We were concerned about taking him to a shopping mall in that he may have a stroke. We didn't, we didn't want to cause him any trouble. But in our American culture, this is, this, is, this is part of our independence. If we don't like that, we'll go over here. If we don't like this, we'll go over here. And, it, and at times, it hurts the fabric. It hurts the fabric of our relationships. You know, there's, there's at times where, where a pastor or a minister... Uh, uh, a gospel worker is called to, to speak things that are contrary to what's popular in the culture or what society is speaking. And when they do so in today's church world, people say, well, there's 15, 20, 30 churches in town. I don't like what you're saying, so I'll just go to another one. Is that healthy for us as a nation? Is it healthy relationally? No. No, it's divisive, it's, it, it's hurtful, it's harmful. It doesn't cause us to progress. If anything, we just get stuck or we digress and go backwards. And so these matters that I'm going to be dis- discussing over the, the next couple of weeks, I think will, will not only help us to have an, an understanding of maybe how we need to comply more to be like children of the kingdom and be more like our king, King Jesus, but I think hopefully it will create within us an awareness that we, we ourselves are tempted in, in many ways the way that other people in our society are. But sometimes we wave our Christian flag as if that's a get out of jail free card. And we don't want to be a stumbling block to those that are already stumbling. And we don't want to be an offense to those who are already easily offended. Can I get an amen? Amen. So Ecclesiastes 1.9 already tells us uh, that which has been is what will be and that which is done is what will be done and there is nothing new under the sun. Would you say that last phrase with me? There is nothing new under the sun. Yes. Jesus' primary concern for mankind in the last or the latter days was the devil deceiving them. He spoke of that in in Matthew chapter 24 when the disciples asked him, you know, what is the signs of the time and the end of the age? And and Jesus said, make sure that you're never deceived. Make sure that no one deceives you. That's our responsibility. Make sure no one deceives me. 
deceives us. He was aware of the crafty ways and the ability that the devil had to twist the truth into a lie whereby he could blind humanity to the truth in the light of God's word in ways. And I've given you very, various supportive scriptures there. But uh, over the next couple minutes, I, I want to do a word study in Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed by covetous. They will exploit you with deceptive words and for a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. When we break down the various phrases and words in the first verse, when we talk about false teachers, he identifies there have been false teachers and there will be false teachers. There's nothing new under the sun. They're, they're already in the formative stage of the early church. There already was an arising of those that had their own agendas, their own philosophies, their own values, their own beliefs, and they were trying to bring them into the teaching of the church. Into the teaching of the church. And so that was taking place in the early formation of the church And it has been something that the church has had to deal with throughout the generations that false teachers are not just a narrative for the end of the end days, but we have to remember the day of Pentecost was the beginning or the demarcation of not only the beginning of the church age, but also the beginning of the last days. Because Peter said in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Well, then they had the outpouring of the spirit on the day of Pentecost and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in another tongue as the spirit of God gave them the ability or the utterance. So Peter identified this as the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy that in the last days. So If that was the beginning of the last days, there's been a lot of sand that has gone through the hourglass prophetically that has led us to this day that we're living in right now. And if you go back and you read Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, and Jesus talking about all the various signs of the times, and he's talking about wars and rumors of wars and and earthquakes and diseases and famine and all of the things that would be going on in mankind. Mankind has experienced that historically. This is where history does us a favor. There, there have been natural catastrophes and there have been signs in the earth and signs in the heaven. But what's interesting is that at the end of the last days, the end of the last days, that all of these things will be going on with more frequency, with more intensity than any other time in history. There have always been, and and every generation has faced challenges from famine to floods 
to natural catastrophes. It's not a generation that hasn't experienced that. But in the latter days, those things will be happening much more often with much more intensity. And Scripture likens it to a woman who is in labor who's about to give birth. Everything ramps up. Everything begins to change. Why? Because the transition is about to happen. Something new is about to take place. But in order for that transition, there has to be the end of what we have always known. So don't think it's strange that when you and I are getting our local news or national news or international news that we're hearing of more types of events like these that Jesus forecasted. What I find to be interesting is how much more frequently they're taking place. And then with the intensity, we think about all of the, all of the tools of technology, all our modern engineers that, that are brilliant and, and, you know, putting together levees or, or ways of protecting people. It's no match when this earth and when this world begins to groan and travail and tremble, it doesn't matter what kind of levy a man builds. When the earth is in travail, that levy will not last. It won't last. And Jesus said, if these things, if these things are, are taking place, and they are, he said, look up because your redemption draws nigh. You're not far from things coming to an end and a new thing beginning. But until then, we have responsibilities. Jesus said, occupy till I come. That's a military language and saying, I've given you a place and a post. I've given you authority and jurisdiction. And so use it for the glory of God. But in the early church, there were those that were using it for their own glory. They were using it for their own agenda. And the early church was being taken advantage of some of the early believers were being swept away in this this thing called false or non-factual truths when it comes to the word of God. So false teachers depicts teachers who may have begun as authentic God-called teachers, but who over a period of time have progressively veered off course. And the key Word there is progressive because they're enter, they enter into the church and they have all the appearance of a believer. Peter likens them to like clouds without water. They, they look like they produce, but, but they don't produce. There's no evidence of the spirit in them. They're just the form of godliness, no presence, no power, no wisdom. And so what they do to take advantage of an audience is say, well, this has always been this way and we're not going to alter that. But this is what God is doing now. And they endeavor to exchange the truth for progressive or moderate thinking. This is what's going on right now. That was good for back then, but this is better for today. And therefore, you have to adopt, uh, adapt to this new way or these new thoughts, these new values. And there's nothing new under the sun. That was taking place when Peter was ministering. It's been taking place up until the time that we are here on the earth. And so we don't need to be alarmed. We just need to be aware. We need to be aware. And then secretly bring in is, is, is a compound Greek phrase. It means to denote 
as one who is a smuggler attempting to covertly transport illegal contraband across the border while using a disguise, fake identification, stealth mode to conceal his true motives and activities. This is how crafty the devil is, is that scripture says he can actually transform himself into an angel of light. Well, why would he do that? It's false identification. It's to come into somewhere in stealth mode for the very purpose of tripping people up or causing them to stumble or to cause them to become dependent upon them. False teachers like crowds. They like people that, that cling to them. They create very unhealthy codependent relationships and that should be a red flag to any of us. Any true minister of the word of God or of the gospel should magnify the lordship of Jesus and the word of God, the fatherhood of God and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So we can develop some discernment. You know, is this man-centered or is this Christ-centered? And those help us to develop discernment. It is all about this person and their agenda and what they believe. And, and if we don't conform to their progressive way of thinking, then we're, you know, uh, we're not loving and, and we're ill-tolerant and we're not tolerant and, and, and we're not compassionate. And it's fear-based, isn't it? If you don't conform to this new progressive and moderate way of thinking, then then you're going to be left behind. People are going to keep moving and you're going to be left behind. And they, they leverage and try to manipulate through fear and coercion. And they themselves are deceived, so they go about deceiving. That's why we need to have compassion on them. They're blind, and so if you're blind and I'm blind, why you, you lead people into a ditch, correct? There's no other alternative. It said that what they teach is very destructive. That means it, it causes decay or rottenness, and it, it, it ruins and undermines someone's foundation of faith. And the, the apostle Peter was clearly spelling out that this was a doctrine of compromise. What he was really identifying is the root of all of this begins when we start giving up the truth and exchange it for progressive or moderate thinking. And we move away from a firm foundation, which is the rock, and we start trying to believe that we can have safety and security on a sandy foundation. He said that's very destructive. He said it's going to ruin the foundation. It it moves you away from your foundation and it's going to cause it to erode. He said that these heresies, these heresies, which is an, an opinion based on many times man's own thoughts, man's own thoughts, these these heretical thoughts, false doctrines from false teachings are a particular school of thought that was well thought out, well presented and it sounded really well to the ear. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's good. Here's a phrase that's in our culture today that sounds really good, but if you really follow it all the way to the end, and this is what I, I want you to do because we're called to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God does not want us to remove our mind God wants us to renew our mind. He wants us to use our mind to follow a certain type of thought all the way to the end and see 
what it produces. Here's the phrase. Love is love. Love is love. Is that true? Because if they can get us to adopt that, it changes our worldview. It changes our values. It changes our beliefs. And then what do we do? We begin to compromise. And then what happens? We start listening to heresy. And where does that heresy lead us? Away from a rock and onto the sand. And then what takes place? The storm comes. And then what happens? Destruction. And who's behind all of that? Satan. And so the, the Peter is appealing to the church, pay attention. They're really good at what they say. They're charismatic. They're likable. But follow their thought all the way to the end. If love is love, that's the end of the world. Follow it all the way to the end. That's the end of the world. And that's not the way that Scripture says the end of the world is going to happen. So therefore, I can't adopt that into my belief system, my values. I can't afford to get off the rock that God is love. And there's a difference between love and lust. And there is a way to define love and experience love within the framework of God's design, purpose, and covenant. Can I get an amen? And that is not to bring harm to mankind, but to protect mankind. God loves us enough to give us borders and boundaries so that we stay within the margins of light and truth so we don't fall off into the ditch. Excess always leads to error. Listen to me. Excess always leads to error. Think about it from a physical standpoint. I like food, but if I like it too much, that's an error. <laughs> I, I'm going to hurt myself physically. It's not going to, I'm not going to do my, I like rest. If I rest too much, I, I won't have money to buy the food that I like that I shouldn't eat too much. All right, you guys get the point. We have to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The second part, I think, is something we need to really ponder and think about. I, I know that wisdom is something we all seek and desire and we can ask for, but but with that wisdom, may we be harmless as doves. May we not hinder or hurt or cause harm to another human being who is lost and blind. May we bring light to them. May we be like a good Samaritan that stops and doesn't walk by and condescendingly just, you know, acknowledge, well, the poor chap, the guy shouldn't have got on the road at that time or whatever. May we be much more compassionate than that. And be like the good Samaritan who is Jesus, our Savior. The word bought means to purchase. It's a New Testament word for redemption. We've been bought or we've been purchased. But when you're caught up in, in heresy and falseness, you forget what you've been brought out of. Because what it forces us to do is begin to embrace a lie. And then we deny the Lord. It says... The problem with this, it brings a swift or a sudden destruction. I'm reading from my notes. I found this to be very encouraging, and I hope you do too. During the time that Peter wrote this, the church was already dealing with the problem of false teachers. 
Ironically, the counterfeit message they were peddling then is the same counterfeit message that is being propagated now. There's nothing new under the sun. It may be repackaged. It may come in a different form, but it's still temptation. And temptation is temptation is temptation. And the devil is just really good at just putting different kinds of wrappings around it. But in the end, it does what it's designed to do, and that is to pull us away from God. All temptation at its root is designed to cause us to act independent of God. Can I say that again? All temptation at the root is designed to cause us to act independent of God. And this is what Christians who are in error say or who propagate error. Well, God gave you a will. Don't let anybody else decide your mind for you. Well, I'm sorry, but I've already decided I'm going to let Jesus help me with my mind because I wasn't doing too good before him and I'm doing a lot better after him. I've shared this story, but it's worth sharing again before I continue to read to you here in a moment. And this is the true, a true story that happened in my life. At 13, through an FCA huddle meeting, I had a coach lead me to faith in Christ. 1976 was the year. It was a big year in our nation, right? It was our bicentennial, and so all the coins were out, big things. But what was biggest in my world is that my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That was the season, that was the the timeline that I was born again, and I came alive to God. And so uh, a group uh, of ladies that played uh, a bridge and cards with my mom weekly got wind that Doug got religion. That's how they, they put it, is Doug got religion. And uh, they begin to counsel my mother and, and say, wow, you know, you know, Virginia, we're really concerned. Uh, we hear from our kids and others that, you know, Doug, it just, you know, is, is, is probably a little bit, you know, too zealous and a little too enthusiastic uh, about the things of God. And, and, you know, a little religion, Virginia is not going to hurt him. But, you know, you get too much of that religion and, you, and he's going to lose his mind. And, uh, you know, he's going to he's going to just get off course. And so my mom came to me and she said, uh, she said, Doug, I, I had some friends uh, that that are, you know, I play cards with. I said, and I knew all of them. And uh, and she said, uh, they're concerned. They're concerned that uh, you're going to lose your mind. Too much religion will cause you to lose your mind. And I said, oh, mom, I was 13. I said, I, I, I and, and to this day, I'm amazed at what I said. I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, I, I said uh, to her, uh, you don't have to worry about me being brainwashed. Because that's another term she used. And then I said this. I've discovered that my brain needs washed. I wasn't thinking right. I wasn't acting right. Because I wasn't believing right. See, the culture was shaping my values, my beliefs, my morals. And in other words... Uh, when I was a teenager, and since there's nothing new under the sun, uh, part of what the culture would say is, hey, you know, before you you buy a car, you need to test drive it. In other words, you know, having having premarital sex is acceptable. After all, you know, God will forgive you. He just knows you're human. He just knows you have weaknesses. And so you want to test drive the car before you buy it, right? Wrong. All that creates confusion, regret, shame, and guilt. And haven't we had enough of that? 
And, and, and but that's that's in the culture. So listen, whatever's in the culture tries to get into the church. Tries to get into your way of thinking. And it and it can happen through pop culture, it can happen through politics, it can happen through social economic issues. And pretty soon other people's offenses become our offenses and other people's battles become our battles. And they're not even something we have. A, we, have we don't have a dog in that fight. Why are we getting involved with it? Why are we getting pulled away from our foundation? It's because these false teachers that teach heresies that produce destruction, that cause swift destruction, are good at what they do. If they weren't, they couldn't fool people. They're good at what they do. Now, these scriptures are not meant to scare us. They're meant to prepare us. They're meant to sharpen our sword. We don't have to worry and and walk around on eggshells. Why? Because we have the spirit of truth. We have the Holy Spirit. And his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And it bears witness with the word of God. And so we want to be able to be wise in the days that we're living in. So these false teachers were teaching a doctrine of compromise. In effect, this is what they were saying. Let's not be so strict and live separate from the world. If we'll relax our beliefs and be more inclusive, we can blend together with society. But in order to compromise, they had to water down Scripture and move away from its solid, time-tested teaching. That's exactly what's happening today. There are false teachers currently in the church who are modifying the Bible to make it say what they want it to say. This blending of truth serves to accommodate ungodly lifestyles and make people comfortable in their sin. And sin and and our Savior are like oil and water. They repel each other. Some are preaching and teaching a version of the Bible that is so far, far from the truth that it celebrates behaviors that are clearly forbidden in Scripture. It's a blatant departure from the truth. Any of this new, cutting-edge, progressive, theological concept, ideas, or systems of thought that contradict the truth of the Word of God is founded in doctrines of deceptions or doctrines of demons, regardless of how sophisticated it's packaged or how polished the messenger is. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I, I want to encourage you that you can see the doom of false teachers in your outline, the depravity or the corruption of the false teachers, the deception of false teachers. But then we get into Second Peter chapter 3 and God's counsel to protect his people from deception. It's a tremendous portion of Scripture. And I want to close by reading out of Second Peter chapter 3. And verse 14, he says, and this is my admonition and my counsel, my encouragement to you. Okay. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. He was talking about the coming of the Lord, looking forward to the coming of the Lord. Be diligent to be found by him in peace. We're peacemakers. Without spot and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved uh, brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also in all his epistles, speaking of them in these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction 
as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You, therefore, based on this, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away by the error of the wicked. Here's the key. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now, forever and ever. Amen. Growing in the knowledge of Jesus. I never get tired of Jesus. I never get bored of Jesus. Jesus is not bland. Jesus is beautiful. There is nothing about Jesus that causes me to recoil or to regress back to the world. The way that you and I stay healthy and stay sane in a world that's gone mad, in a culture that is trying to bring confusion and compromise into the church, is do exactly what Jesus said. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, keep abiding in Jesus. Apart from him, you can do nothing. Don't believe that lie of the culture, that independence is the way to live. No, dependence on Jesus is the way to live as a Christian. Love and know the truth. You have to love the truth. You've got to seek. And in seeking, you'll find. Because if you and I don't have an understanding of the truth or a knowledge of the truth, then we could be taken advantage of by those who are peddling wares of false doctrine. We have to stay close to the Spirit and allow the Spirit to come and renew us and refresh us because He is the Spirit of grace. He is the Spirit of truth. And that is how we fight off some of the temptations. Don't believe the lie that there's nothing new under the sun. As I said, it might be new to me, but history's already told the story. Biblical history and world history, even our nation's history. Isn't it unfortunate that even in today's educational system, there's some school districts and they're altering the way that children are learning about how the formation of this nation. And why is that? Because if they can get them to believe a lie and they can deceive them, then what they do is they pull them away from the original intent and purpose of the sovereignty of God in this nation and the purpose for this nation being raised up. Laws that are being put on the books and before legislators have moved so far away from that which is solid. And when common sense isn't common anymore, you know, you know and I know, we're getting closer and closer to the day of the Lord. But for us as Christians, we cannot afford to move away from our foundation of faith. We can't allow the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. We've got to walk in the light and we have to love the light. And that is one of the reasons that the church is here in the world and one of the blessings of the church to any community. So we don't want to move from our rock to sand. We don't want to move away from having something that has substance to something that has style. Isn't that such a common phrase today? Well, you know, 
You just, I love their style of preaching, but do they have any substance? Where does the end of their preaching lead to? What's the conclusion of the matter? Think it all the way through the end. Think about some of the things that are causing confusion in the life of young people today when it comes to gender or identity issues. Follow that all the way to the end. It takes away from God's original intent, purpose, and design. It says, I can be anything I want to be. No, I was made in the image and the likeness of God. I didn't create myself. I cannot recreate myself without consequences. Amen? Amen. If we don't know the truth, we can be taken advantage of. Because it sounds progressive. It sounds all-inclusive. It sounds so right. They're indoctrinating people in corporate America today that if you don't adapt or adopt to these new ways of philosophies, then you run the risk of losing your right to be employed here. That's manipulation. That's fear. That's not God. God did not give us a spirit of fear. May God raise up within us like a heart like Daniel. and Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, that, yeah, I'm not willing to go down that road, and if it means I go through the fiery trial, I'll go through the fiery trial, because it's just another opportunity for God to be glorified. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.